I am this close to murdering myself. This is the ninth million time I've had to record this fucking intro. Whatever. I'm just going with whatever I'm about to say. Hey guys, welcome to episode five of the Cora podcast. I did this one with Objective Mistress. A lot of you guys know her as Rachel. But of course, before we get into the actual podcast, we got to get the shout outs out there. And these are a lot of shout outs this time, so bear with me. First couple go to Everlasting Inner Light. Hazook, Miagan Camper's Eyebrows, very interesting URL, and Our Queen Feline Fatale. You all sent me really really nice asks telling me how you appreciated the podcast because it gave you like a platform to hear the opinions that you've had since book four. So, I mean, that was that was great because that's the point of the entire podcast is to give people some comfort after the show. And so I'm glad you guys are finding that through the podcasts. Next shout out goes to Ikin the Kitsune. Not gonna lie, when you reblogged the last podcast, I freaked out a little bit because your meta ability is like very, very famous. So I'm very glad that you are liking the podcasts. Jessa Tria, when you reblogged the last podcast, you added a comment about how you appreciated us um, calling out classism, which is great because, yeah, I do agree with you that the fandom does not talk about it a lot. And then Zuko Rama, you reblogged the last pod- last podcast, and you left a comment about how you just just a really nice comment. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Now a couple of announcements. Um, first one is that unless you were not aware before, can I not talk today? If you were not aware before, these are downloadable on the podcast app on the iPhone. I don't know if they're not on the iPhone, but they are definitely on the iPhone. So um, just search up Cora Podcasting and they're all there. You can just, you know, download them in case you don't have the time to sit down on your computer and hear them on SoundCloud. And it's very efficient. Very, very efficient. Okay, obviously today I'm having a huge problem talking, so just stick with me. Another announcement is that um, this is probably going to be the last podcast for the summer because I am going to college. I got stuff to do. I got life to live. So um, for a couple of months, this is probably going to be the last podcast, but I am by no means dropping the ability. I mean, dropping the idea. I will continue to make podcasts, just not right now. So it's not going to come out like every week like it has so far. It's going to be a little bit until I get back on track, but it will definitely, before the year ends, I'm going to get back on it. So don't worry. Now getting into what I did this podcast with Rachel. Rachel and I followed each other before the book four finale. So there's a little bit of a change and we are, we've been mutuals for a while. So we share a lot of opinions, obviously, and we talked about, you know, the usual things. So the arcs of the characters of Korra, Kuvira, etc. But we also talked about, um, how people like to claim that like people only like book one because of Makora and the same thing with book four and Korasami. And we talked about fan wank and fan opinions and the fandom in general. We talked about a lot of other stuff too. I just can't remember right now, but I am for sure like confident that you guys were go- are going to love this podcast. Rachel is awesome and she's a great writer and it's been, it was so great talking to her. So without further ado, this entire intro was like three minutes long. Sorry guys. Here we go. Hey guys, I'm here with Rachel. How's it going? 
Going good, and we're just gonna get right into it. So Rachel and I, again, we followed each other before the book four finale. So we've actually, I think we've been following each other for like a year or so, something like that. Like that sounds about right. Yeah, and so we definitely share a lot of opinions about the finale and about Cora in general. So I've been asking everyone this, but I just want to ask you: um, What brought you into Cora, and how did that like change your life, or maybe just help you out through anything? Yeah, well, I think first of all. Um... And I watched Avatar The Last Airbender, not necessarily like in order. Mm-hmm. I remember watching a lot of the episodes when they would do like the marathons and have like the commentary blurbs on the bottom. Of the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really enjoying that. Yeah. And, you know, at some point, you know, I heard that Legend of Korra was coming out and that the main character was going to be this awesome, badass female avatar. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. I'm totally sold. Yeah, definitely. And... And I mean, so I, I've been with Cora since the beginning. I've had, you know, the Objective Mistress blog since, as a side blog since Cora started. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about whether, like, because Cora just happened to transpire over a period of my life that, like, a lot has changed. You know, mm-hmm. the first year of Cora was my senior year in high school, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be a senior in college now. Um, oh, wow. So, so it's, like, kind of been with you through, through college. Yeah. And, it, there, you know, there's, there's been a lot of changes, you know, as far as stuff as major as, you know, accepting that I'm bisexual mm-hmm. to as, you know, as maybe equally as major as totally embracing that women can be muscular and powerful and mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's safe to say that I've drawn a lot of courage from Cora, the character. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I remember when we first saw the shot of Cora from the back. And at the time I was like 14 and not going to lie. The first thought that I, that I thought was like, she looks like a man because she was so muscular. But now at the point, I'm at the point where I realize that really you can be muscular and a woman. And it just really opened my eyes to a lot of things, especially with my own self and, you know, the traits that I have as well. So yeah, Cora was really important as a person to a lot of us. But, um, how do you feel about the way her arc kind of happened? The way that Bryke made her you know, made the show end with her in book four. Well, I think, uh, (laughs) you're so ready. I'm like, well, uh, do I be nice about this or do I never be nice about this? The wall. So basically I think it's not surprising to hear that I am pretty and continually (laughs) disappointed with how Cora's arc was handled. You know, it's, Book one laid this amazing foundation with his characters and this amazing new city mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it fully played into this vibrant world mm-hmm. that the Avatar franchise, you know, was known for and I think often loved for. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we have book two, we have, you know, Korra become you know, a spiritual leader, come into herself and have a lot of the development that, you know, certain people and certain groups of people in this fandom we're maybe waiting for and then just like do anyway that's me it's being passive aggressive so, so fucking annoying bro oh my god it's like she was stripped in my opinion she was stripped of everything that made her her back in book one like there's okay. a whole 180 from book one cora to day of the colossus cora and it's so interesting because you know you you get into book three and you see okay you know where where do you go after book two? Because we have Cora, right, who right. we know is so incredibly powerful, and you know in book three we see her. You know people who said you know Cora was too brash; she needs to get some patience and some temperance. You know we see some of that in her deliberations in mm-hmm. book three, mm-hmm. and then of course we hit the end of book three, and it's like okay, you know this is really sad and upsetting. It was sad, and it was just so like 
personally with book three with me i was not impressed with it because i felt like it was one really really boring and two part of the board the boredness is is that a word the boringness of that um series came from the fact that cora was not talking that much and like she kind of was just um making room for other other storylines that i frankly did not care about which you know i think at the time i don't think book three was that disappointing to me because i said okay well they're clearly you know maybe they're lining up these arcs for something different Mm-hmm. And, you know, book four obviously has like all this great stuff to, you know, finish Core's arc, especially after book three finished. Mm-hmm. And of course I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, book three was in many ways, maybe more of a precursor to book four than we thought as far as Cora not taking prominence in mm-hmm. the storylines, not having, you know, super prominent screen time, which is of course, you know, further exasperated in book four. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It was so disappointing. I remember sitting, I was sitting basically in the same place that I am now, mm-hmm. uh, watching the f- book four finale. And you know, all the action's great. Okay, they they shot the stupid giant robot with paint balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. It's like, okay, okay, whatever. You know, it's, it's the finale. I'm really hyped up. What's going to happen? And I remember sitting here listening to Cora do her wrap up with Tenzin about how, oh, this all, you know, all my suffering was for this very specific reason. And Which was I the dumbest finally, piece of shit in the world. And I finally learned compassion, not like, you know, the entire time. And we're sitting here like, what, you know, what the hell? This yeah. can't possibly get worse. Yeah. And a lot of people argue that um, Korra needed to be humbled down because she was not the greatest avatar beforehand, in which case I was just like, what the fuck? And it's just all the stuff that happened, you know, it just completely tore away from who she was and the stuff she stood for. She became what people, what those people who hated book one wanted her to become. And it it pissed me off. And everything that, you know, her, you know, her confidence, her, you know, willingness to really just go at things, Mm -hmm. you know, being an action before a thought sort of person and avatar. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I guess in some ways I can understand that if Aang is your, if, if you consider Aang to be your ultimate benchmark, which a lot of people in this fandom, you know, do, then I can see where the disappointment comes from. But the uniqueness and the greatness of Korra as a character comes from those things that, mm-hmm. you know, characters aren't always 100%, you know, made of great traits, even heroes. And yeah, maybe they do things that get on your nerves. And you, as a viewer, you can see when they're making a wrong decision. But, you know, Korra is Korra. And she's yeah. awesome how she was. Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, but definitely going back on the finale, um, I think I talked about this with Zach as well, was the fact that I saw, like, what I did was I skipped to the last two minutes because I'm that kind of person. It was the night before my biology final. So, um, I skipped to the last two minutes and I just watched it. And then I remember, like, seeing the talk with Tenzin and I was like, why does she look so sad? And then I skipped to the, um, and then, you know, the Korosami thing happened and I was like, what the fuck? And it was just so unexpected and definitely her talk with Tenzin was not, not a good sum, not a good last talk. You know, Tenzin's been with her through it all, and then she suddenly just goes up to him. And she's like, "Yeah, all my suffering, and the fact that I have post-traumatic stress disorder, and the fact that I tried to like people tried to kill me like five times was totally worth it." It's so funny because as I'm sitting here, and you know, I'm I'm one of the people that defended Reich up 
you know, until the finale mm-hmm. and honestly through when their Tumblr letters came out, <laughs> you know, as far as like, you know, I was always like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe that's not what they meant, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I was, and even now I find myself like <laughs> their old habits seeping in. But yeah. you know, the thing was, I, I just, it's, it's, you know, they, they copied and pasted from someone else's experience for a character that they created. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I, I can't believe that you would not want to fully move your character to what you think, you know, their pinnacle should be. Yeah, definitely. And it's so funny because you know how we used to like, um, defend them back, back before, like back in book one. It's so funny because now the same people who used to, used to tear them in book one are doing the same thing and they're defending them now. Like, um, remember when Brian was like, oh, we can't fit Korra into the storyline sometimes in the book four commentary? Well, this chick who used to hate him back in book one was like, you guys are taking it out of context, and that's clearly not what he meant. You just have a diverse group of characters, and that's what he meant. And it's just so, like, aggravating how, how things have changed so much. It's really bizarre, and I, I, I find it really frustrating and, you know, wide variety of emotions, you know, after the finale. I, mm-hmm. I just find that pretty much, like, the only way that I can adequately you know, cope and really still enjoy being in the fandom with the people that I like here mm-hmm. is, you know, comedy and just you're basically just pretending that everything is a giant farce for my own entertainment Honestly. when someone really steps in it. Okay, so now going into the topic of fan wank, which I know we are very re- well rehearsed in that whole thing. How do you think it helps you cope with the show? I mean, I think for me, there are like two options. There's get angry or get funny about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really easy to watch a post- <laughs> you know, where where someone says something like ridiculous about Cora, or they comment on a pro Cora post and mm-hmm. add something about you know a certain character being better than Cora, uh, a certain character. Um, and at that point, it's either I can think to myself, "Wow, this is horrible, and I can't believe I'm a part of this fandom mm-hmm. despite trying to leave over and over again," mm-hmm. or I can sort of look at it and be like, "Well." You know, if I take a step back, this is really freaking hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, the only thing that keeps me in the fandom anymore is just the people that I know that I like. But yeah, definitely when someone does something really, really stupid, you can either get really angry or you can make fun of it. I love that sometimes the line in this like post before finale fandom, the line between people who are being serious and people who are satirizing these people mm-hmm. and um you know making similar posts <laughs> it's sometimes i really have to look and think to myself okay what is the source of this blog and did they mean for this to be funny or not <laughs> I, I love that yeah i remember um one time i i don't even know like there was a post uh someone else made where they were answering my question and i was just like oh yeah i'm totally for romantic macora and they were like oh yeah me too totally untagged post and this random ass like fucking i don't even know i've never seen this blog in my life before suddenly comments like five paragraphs as to why i should not like makora anymore because Cora and asami are so perfect together and i was just like do you even have a life do you have things to do like this has nothing to do with you and sometimes the people in this fandom just really get way uptight about Cora asami versus makora and i'm just like do your own thing just stay in your lane oh i know the fact that it still happens is ridiculous but i remember um I found it, you know, at the very beginning when we started, you know, in book four, we started getting these bleeding edges of, um, you know, the 
calls of homophobia in the fandom started. <laughs> and I think a lot of people also forget that I was a pretty staunch multi-shipper up until the finale. I published a Korosami fic mm-hmm. the week of the finale. Mm-hmm. And post-finale, especially after the hetero lenses comment came out, um, uh, and, you know, the Makora tag was, of course, you know, more decimated than it yeah. still is. But I remember thinking to myself, you know, well, first there was the legitimate concern of, well, is this, you know, is this actually true? And especially considering my sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, you know, eventually came to the conclusion that, you know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's really, it's incredibly upsetting to see people, you know, realize that they can wield words like this to gain an upper, you know, a higher ground on a shipping argument. Honestly. I hate to say it. I hate when people say it's, you know, it's just a cartoon or just a TV show or just a video game. I mean, it's helped people out of depression. It's helped people become more confident in themselves. So yeah, it could be just a cartoon, but like the ideas within it are really important. Agreed. were really important before it became Mm -hmm. shit. Um, But question (laughs) about you and the whole multi-shipping thing. Do you ever see Kurosami actually working out? Well, uh, no, mm-hmm. at least not in the canonical universe. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I have an unfinished fic that's minimized on my dashboard right now that I've been working on for months. That is my logical extension of the finale as it was. And I just, I don't see them working out. I can understand if you want to play with AUs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I certainly did enjoy that at one time. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fandom has completely ruined that for me. Mm-hmm. But I just, I am just so curious to see how. How are they take going to make? The how are they going to make tough, kick-ass Korra be humbled down to some trophy wife for Asami? Because personally, that's the only way it actually really works out. Asami is so her. I mean, her fan-made. Like I've said before, there's not really a canon personality. But what we get from the fan-made personality is that like she's so sensitive to a point and it's not a bad thing but it's not for Korra and so definitely I'm really as like you said I'm really curious to see how they're going to make this kick-ass you know punch punch Korra suddenly become this oh Asami let me hold you while you cry about your father for the 90th time today like I don't even know how that's gonna work they're going to be forced to give Korosami a canon personality in the comics Mm -hmm. you know they they have to if you know, I think they said something about, you know, the beginning issues centering on Korosami or at least that that'll be um, fe- prominently featured. Yeah. And they just, you know, especially for Asami, who was not super present in book four, sort of had a couple of good moments in book three, was barely in book two and played a much different role in book one. It's just they're really going to have to build her from the ground up in the comics. Definitely, and I don't even know if they can do that very well. But um, going away from Korosami for a little bit, uh, which antagonist in the entire series do you think was the strongest or, like, the most, I guess, like, the, the best one in your opinion? I have to say that I really, even though the execution wasn't perfect, I really enjoyed Amon. Me too. Amon was the best, his ideo- his, like his ideology and like the fact that Korra valued bending so much and the fact that he thought it was like the worst evil in the world really was like an awesome storyline. And I think also, you know, how Amon also played into some political feelings in Republic City mm-hmm. and there was just this feeling of ominous danger from the darkness. You were never sure, you know, who was, who's with Amon, who isn't, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to, who, you know, who's, 
who's dangerous here and who isn't. That's what I really loved about Aman and the Equalists. Yeah, definitely. And it was, um, you know, the whole thing about Asami maybe being an Equalist, that would have been a really cool storyline. It was kind of predictable, but it would have been interesting how they could have executed that. So what's your opinion on that? I think it would have been really interesting because it, after, you know, they would have resolved, of course, I imagine that Asami still would have, you know, turned from the Equalist and helped Korra and her crew, but there really would have been some true rebuilding and, you know, identity shifts that Asami would have had to, you know, deal with herself mm-hmm. in book two and beyond and realize that, you know, okay, so I helped, you know, the fire fairies or whatever and these people defeat Aman and my father. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean for me now? Yeah. And how do I fit in with these people now? Yeah. And that would have been, been so, it would have been another dimension and an actual like character trajectory that they could have taken Asami on. Awesome. They could have like definitely given her, you know, given her a personality. That would have been yeah. nice. Um, now talking about Kuvira, which a lot of people, they think she was the weakest antagonist. How do you feel about her arc? I think, I think Kuvira had a lot of potential, but mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if she herself, you know, was executed poorly by the writers or if it was just sort of because of how lackluster book four felt that mm-hmm. she, you know, because of, you know, her setting was lackluster. I think definitely the idea that she had these sort of concentration camps for non-Earth Kingdom uh, people mm-hmm. seemed really odd and out of line, and especially since it was never mentioned again. They never gave pretty her much. a really good backstory, so you can't really see where her justification came from. It's it's difficult, and I think that you know, there's having you know the conflict with Batar Junior and the rest of the Beifongs, and Bolin, you know, being on sort of like the I'm using air quotes opposite side mm-hmm. as Opal. There was there was a really interesting opportunity to flesh out those characters presented by Cor- by Cora, not Cora, Kuvira. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just I think I think it did end up falling a little bit flat, especially with, you know, the, the giant robot mech being like the main giant, huge, yeah. bad thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, it seemed a little bit weird and more like, Hey guys, why don't we animate a giant robot <laughs> just okay. for the hell of it? Yeah. I felt like a lot of people said that they felt like, um, Brike needed to do something monumental. They felt like they needed to do something huge to end the series, but it kind of didn't really go as planned given that, you know, we weren't really invested in Kuvira like with Amon he he had this whole mystery and he had this whole backstory and it was totally out of nowhere and you know the show had so many twists and turns back in book one but with um with Kuvira we never really got that kind of depth mm-hmm. and so yeah I mean how how do you beat you know Batu I know how Batu. do you beat that whole stuff so now getting back into kind of like the fan fandom opinion, I guess, and kind of um, pairings as well. How do you react to people saying that um, we only liked book one because it was Makora versus people liking book four because of Korasami? Okay, well, number one, it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number two, I think it's it's another one of those sort of like buzz phrases that I feel like people often use because they are trying to gain an upper hand in the a shipping battle. And aren't, you know, they can't, (laughs) it's difficult to reason something that isn't true. Mm -hmm. I think book one was, first of all, the setting. Republic City is absolutely amazing. I know. Republic City was one of the aspects of the show that made me fall so in love with it. 
just I know and so many people are like, Oh, like I can't wait until we like do we get to see the Fire Kingdom <clears> in Book Four? And it's like, Yeah, that'd be really cool. But yeah, you know, we saw all that stuff in Avatar the Last Airbender. Right. I'd love to see how it changed, but Republic City is like here and now and it's yeah. pretty darn awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Republic City they abandoned it pretty much after book book one really. And then I mean, seeing the Earth Kingdom was okay. I was never really invested in the Earth Kingdom, but like, I get maybe a change of landscape would have been nice. However, I really wanted the entire series to be kind of focused on Republic City as a whole. I think the the conflict that they set up in Book One with Amon um, would have, you know, definitely if and of course, you know, the issue that you know Book Two wasn't created until Book One was written, mm-hmm. and they didn't have the chance to create like a two book arc or something like that, which has been they know, had the chance, they never did it with other books. Oh, like I don't oh, know, Reich, you know, <laughs> oh Reich. Uh, I feel like that should just be a catchphrase. Oh Reich, it pretty much should. Uh, you think your opinion matters? Just you know, just waiting till the next time that they put their foot in their mouth again and. Oh probably going to be soon coming up with the comics and stuff but um yeah definitely with how do you feel about the people who used to like hate the show and then once Korsami happened it was like a magical band-aid on everything they supposedly hated how do you feel about that it's you know it's it's really disappointing um you know i realize that you know shipping is a big part of the experience for a lot of people you know Mm -hmm. to varying degrees Mm -hmm. and i realize that you know obviously some people have um preferences on where they ship based on, you know, the gender of the characters. And that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... If you want to see a, a gay ship, that's fine. Like, do it. Just don't make it, like... Do you know what I'm saying? Does it... I, I think one of the issues is, is that um, people... A lot of people tend to get, you know, so attached to their ships that it becomes, like, an extension of themselves and their identity, mm-hmm. which is actually really cool when you think that you can bond so much over a fictional character and their bond with someone else, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. But I think the issue is is that we've gotten to this part in the fandom where when someone criticizes a ship and not just, you know, absolutely flames it, hate mail, yeah. that sort of thing, but, you know, creates a well-reasoned essay, mm-hmm. which we have a lot of really great people in this fandom who have much better thoughts than I do mm-hmm. and can, you know, really lay out some of these ideas and say, well, you know, this really doesn't make sense when we look at it from this point of view and people take that criticism of their ship as a personal attack. And then we really get, that's when the fandom arguments get really ugly. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, um, a lot of people, like you said before, they want to throw up that whole, like, oh, you're homophobic, blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because when we are criticizing Korosami, they are very, very, very good criticisms. Like, no offense, but I don't think giving someone tea after not talking to them for five years is a huge deal. But it's just, you know, there's, there is a lack of willingness to understand. Mm-hmm. And I figured that if it's a show that you really like, I know I sort of try to understand as much as I can and as many aspects of it and, you know, really dive into, okay, what did the show really actually show us? Not mm-hmm. what they said in the writer's room. Yeah. Not, you know, some headcanon that has become fanon, not commentary at Comic-Con. As cool as those insights are, yeah. you know, what's really important has to go in the show and you know we have all these sort of things where they're like people you know myself included we're like okay Cora didn't you know get a conversation with Bolin at the end and Bolin was her first friend yeah and people said oh you know it probably happened off screen well this is a fictional show nothing is happening off screen and the fact of the matter is, is if they thought it was important it would have been in the show 
Exactly, exactly. It's just, personally with book four, I felt like Brian and Mike just really rushed things to a point where they didn't think it through and they did not give it the quality that a, a final season deserves. And it's so funny because in their essay they were like, most people are upset with the finale, so we're glad ours was good. And I was like, yeah, no, you got to check that. Of course, you can't make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. um, pe people, no matter what you do, are going to be upset. And, of course, there were a lot of people that were happy with the finale. And, you know, if you are, especially if it reaffirmed, you know, something that you were inc um, insecure about yourself. Yeah. And you gain joy from it. That's awesome. Like, no one is – I hate that people see criticism of um, Korosami or his book four as, you know, saying that, oh, you know, it's so bad you can't like it. Well, yeah. just because I don't like book four – doesn't mean that I don't think that you should like book four. Go ahead, please. Like book four. Just yeah. you know, stay in your tags yeah. and don't send me death threats. Obviously, we'll be fine. Yeah. Definitely. And it's just yeah, a lot of people want to break it down to you only you don't like book four because your ship didn't happen, which is ridiculous. Considering, in my opinion, a lot of people like book four because their ship happened. Like, where's the hypocrisy in that? And it, I mean I of course, I was as we were going to that like final stretch, and Malcolm and Cora were going to talk to each other at the wedding. You know, I would be lying if you know there was like part of me that was like, you know, oh, they really didn't interact that much this season. You know, yeah, they did not. Ambiguous. It's very true. They didn't. And of course, like there's this little ship in the back of my head, like kiss, yeah. <laughs> you have to kiss. And then you know that happened. I was like, oh, that's a nice ambiguous ending. And I remember sitting in this, you know, this pretty much very spot after the Tenzin talk and watching Asami step out. And I turned to my boyfriend and said, oh, my God, they're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I don't know. You're like, you're paranoid mm -hmm. after everything that had been going on in the fandom. And I said, no, like, and they're, they're of course, I, I was surprised. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people, including Kurosami shippers were. Yeah. After the finale. And they thought it was a good, like, I think there was a post where um, this person linked to the tag, the Korosami tag, before the finale and after the finale. And before the finale, everyone was like, it's not going to happen, blah, blah, blah. We, well, at least we still have, like, our fan, a fictional, like, our fandom Korosami. And they thought it was a good thing that they were surprised by it. And it's not a good thing. Because if you don't see it coming, where's the development, you know? And it's so hypocritical then to go back and accuse your viewers as having hetero lenses <laughs> when a lot of the, you know, the fandom <clears throat> who was hoping that it would happen were surprised. Yeah, definitely. It is a whole huge mess. And with Korosami, you know, I think what, what um, Emery said really, really got to me because I didn't even think about it before, but she said that they wanted it to be Asami. They didn't make a new character for Korra, like a new female character, if, you know, by representation really meant that much to them because they wanted to make it seem like they've been thinking about it since book one. And it's true because now that you go back and all these like, like, you know, Tumblr blogs are all like, OMG, look at Korra running to Mako and look at Asami's face in the background and she's sad because Korra's not running to her. And I'm just like, how delusional can you be? This is crazy. And I think, you know, we have to, we have to be open to, you know, interpret as you know, as much as possible, because that's where you know that's yeah. that's what fandom does. Fandom interprets, fandom wildly yeah, like, extrapolates. Have your opinions, but I mean, to a point, it just gets ridiculous. I think we have to. I think we do have to be honest in saying, okay, well, first of all, you know, who's the who's the viewership that this is intended to? Mm -hmm. And are we maybe you know reading a little bit too far into the plant in the corner of the room? Duh. 
honestly, yeah, with the whole, um, and it happens in the McCore fandom as well, I'm, I'm glad to call it out on both sides, because I remember when the, the frog thing happened, remember, and everyone was like, oh, the eye colors, it's like Mako and Korra's eye colors, and I was like, okay, well, you do you. But with, um, yeah, definitely a lot of people read way too into those kind of things. Like, the plant theory was just ridiculous. That was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another instance of, you know, good enjoyment of other people's posts in this fandom. But I guess our hetero lenses just kept us from seeing it. It's just unfortunate. They're, they're prescription. They're just too straight for anyone. All right, now staying, o- or staying, spraying, spraying? What would it be? <laughs> Straying away from fandom for a little bit. Um, you both, I mean, we both lift, so let's talk about that. Heck yeah, lifting is the best. It is um, the bestest. How long have you been lifting? Um, seriously, for probably about two or so years now. Mm-hmm. I was, I think, like, around my sophomore year, uh, I decided, I'd always been, like, athletic. But I decided I wanted to get into shape again, and mm-hmm. I sort of, like, stumbled along um, with, like, barbell training. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll give this a try, and I just happened to really like it. Awesome, yeah. I um, For me, it was, like, I started when I was 14, technically, but the first couple, the first year, I did, like, mainly cardio, which was hell. Never, ever, ever do cardio <laughs> if you can help it. And, like, I didn't really count. You know how you're supposed to, like, count your protein intake and mm-hmm. kind of make sure you're eating enough and... Make sure you're taking your rest days. I had no idea what I was doing. So after 14, when I got to like 15, 16, then I started seeing more of a, like, I started learning more about it. And I am now at the at the stage I'm at. Lifting is awesome. I love it. Yeah, lifting. And then for me, you know, I would lift more, but, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, yeah, choking people. that's awesome. <laughs> that's kind awesome. of. Kind of more fun. <laughs> um, yeah, you do, um, like, do you like leg days more or arm days? I'm all about leg days. Squatting is squatting and deadlifting are my favorite oh, legs. Yeah, which definitely. is why, which is my my legs totally look better than my arms do. <laughs> For me, it's like I injured my knee, so I can't do any squatting exercises, oh, which that sucks. Tough. I think I tore my um ligament or something, so I have to rest it for like a while. Plus that I did track tough. while I tore my ligament because I'm oh. stupid, so now I have to rest it for like a year. And it's absolute hell. But leg days are usually like fun. They just exhaust you so much. Yeah, those are heavy pre-workout days. Yeah, drink some BCAAs sure. during, some creatine after. But I've already had I had knee surgery in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. so I I had like my my knee was still consistently bad for years. And once I started lifting and actually really <laughs> strengthening the muscles in my yeah, legs, yeah, yeah, does. You no, know, I my I barely have knee pain anymore. But I also you know I wear knee sleeves yeah, when I lift case. just for a little bit of compression, some heat, mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I like um, arm days a lot, personally, because I'm just better at that. Like, I gain muscle. Most girls um, gain leg muscle more than they gain arm muscle, but I just like arm days a lot for some reason. They're just fun. <laughs> I think bench day is my least favorite just because... Oh, benching uh, sucks. My, my my accessory work on that day sucks. Like, I ha- like, I'll finish benching and I'm happy, mm-hmm. but then I go do pull-ups and dumbbell bench presses and dumbbell rows, and it's just like, I just want to leave the gym, <laughs> but I have to check off everything in my journal. You gotta do it. Um, do you do hypertrophy or do you do, like, powerlifting, like, strength? Powerlifting. So I'm lifting for strength, low reps, uh, awesome. high weight. Yeah, I used to do that, and then I switched it to a mixture, so I did, like, um, maybe eight reps instead of five or 10. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of doing 10 reps at a pretty strong weight because I've gotten to that point. So I'm doing hypertrophy for now, but I mean, I've definitely seen a lot of improvement. Hypertrophy is awesome. It's just, I do, 
sometimes I do more reps on my accessory exercises. The main mm-hmm. thing is, is that, uh, you know, getting more muscular is awesome and mm-hmm. getting stronger is awesome. But Brazilian it's, it's Jiu-Jitsu is a weight class sport and I have to be able to make weight. You got to get the weight. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to pack on too much for my height. So. Right, right. That's awesome. Though. When, what got you into um, jiu-jitsu? Uh, well, it was around that same time when I started lifting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a black belt in Taekwondo, and I decided I wanted to try a different martial art. Damn. And I walked into um, an MMA gym where they mm-hmm. actually a lot of really good amateur fighters yeah. trained. And I trained there for a while, you know, uh, Muay Thai kickboxing right. and, and uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I just fell in love with grappling. It's so much fun. It's like chess, except when you lose, you get choked. (laughs) It is. It's like, it's a really thinking martial art. You're always having to think about where do you go next and what do you, what does your opponent think that you're going to do? And that, I think that's why I like it so much. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely want to try um, kickboxing once, once I get into university because they have like a kickboxing club and you can compete and I really want to do it. So I've been trying to do the whole, you know how like boxers run like fucking like 10 miles a day? Not at that extreme yet, yeah. but I've definitely had to incorporate more cardio and I want to die. But I hopefully it's worth it. Running sucks. How do people like running? No, I did track for a bit. I like sprinting. Sprinting is fine. Running long distance makes me want to die. For me, long like the most I will run at once is like three miles. Mm-hmm. And it's about that time of year, August, where when I'm training for uh, college band to start, I've got to start running again because <clears> we do run. <throat> and my cardio is good. Like, I'll run and my legs get tired. You know, I'm not breathing heavy and my yeah. heart isn't pumping really fast. My legs are just like, this sucks. Can we go home? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, did um going back on the show a little bit, did the did Cora maybe inspire you a little bit to... um? I think you were one of the mods, right, for Fit Like Cora? I was not. The you lovely, were not? I know oh, okay. people, lovely people like Maggie were in that. And I watched from afar with great admiration. With that was great a, admiration. That was a great blog. Was um, it? I remember I caught it right when it like ended, and then I asked the I think the it was Fire Fair at Fuzzies who started it. Who started it? Someone started it. I asked them, and they were like, "We already got enough mods." I was like, "Okay, screw yourself." But it was a good blog while it was there. <laughs> no, Cora definitely gave me a lot of inspiration for that because you know I uh, I was always encouraged to be athletic growing up, but I know, you know even just coming home with you know my weightlifting stuff, you know being mm-hmm. cautioned, you know. Oh, well, you know, getting stronger is fine, but you know, you don't want to get too muscular because, you know, you'll, you'll look like a man. It's like, well, that doesn't really happen. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that a lot of Still women of feel like they can't, um, you know, lift weights or do something like that because they feel like they aren't conforming to some sort of ideal in which they're supposed to be, right, you know, right. completely thin. And it's, I hope that at some point we have, <laughs> more flexibility where people can sort of choose what physical goals they want to set for themselves. Yeah. I mean, even now, whenever I go to the gym and I'm like removing plates, guys come up to me and they're like, do you need help with that? Cause they're like 45 pound plates. I'm like, bro, I got it. Like I can hold five of these without breaking a sweat. So relax. But yeah, definitely. There's a lot of that in our society, you know, the whole woman can't be certain things and men can't be certain things. Yeah. It, it it's, it just sucks when you're sort of, you know, when you go into a weight room, sometimes you can be one of the only, you know, one of the only females. In there. I feel you. And, you know, even if, you know, there, there are obviously some, you know, some guys that are great, like the Makora loving power lifter that I frequently lift next to in my gym at home. Oh, really? Yeah. I was wearing my, uh, I was wearing the shirt that says I'm the avatar and you got to deal with it. Oh, that's awesome. And he recognized and it. He came up to it and said, 
oh my gosh, like, I love your shirt. That's so awesome. And it happened to be squat day because I only wear t-shirts on squat Ooh. day. But, um, and he was like, he asked me like, you, did you like, did you watch it all the way through? I was like, oh yeah, yeah I, I watched the whole thing. And he was like, man, you know what? Malcolm and Cora should have gotten together. And this is like this huge guy. He's like bald. He's wearing like his lifting shoes, his weight belt. <laughs> and he's here telling me like, talking Malcolm about cartoons. should have gotten together. And I was like, you're in love. <laughs> love at first sight. Yeah. For everyone I've talked um, to after the finale ended, like everyone I've met after the finale ended, they all hated the finale and they hated book four. And I was like, you are my family. We are, we're going to get along. Yeah, I have, I have, um, and I, I had one friend that I encouraged to watch it who, um, you know, more or less shipped course on me the entire way through. And even she was sort of like, I don't know what was up with that ending. Like, it was awesome. Like, I love course on me. They got together, but mm-hmm. like, um, it was just like weird and the main characters didn't get any screen time. You know, I had, fr- I had many friends who, you know, watched it after the fact and, you know, sent me a Facebook <clears> message <throat> saying, you know, hey, I know that you're obsessed with Legend of Korra. Yeah. And what happened in that last scene? <laughs> alley? Uh, and there goes the five-hour rant. I mean, you know, we we were once on a bus and a band trip, and we were driving through a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And there was a, when we stopped, there was this TV on in the house nearby, and they were showing a Legend of Korra, like, book three commercial. I, like, flipped out. So everyone <laughs> knows. But, you know, these people who are confused about it aren't – they just weren't engaged in the fandom. Right. It's not that they were, you know, looking for something that wasn't there. They were just, you know, binge watching it. And I think right, that the binge right. watching experience is a lot different than having to interact with our cesspool of a fandom. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we got to wrap up, but thank you so much for doing the podcast with me. It was a lot of fun. Love talking about fitness with you. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This was awesome. No problem. Bye. 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 I don't-